Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway on this Monday, the eighth morning of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2021. Coming up on the program in about 40 minutes, 41 to be more accurate, at 948, we will talk to Congressman Jim Jordan, as we do each and every Monday, and we will hit him with a host of questions on a wide variety of issues, not the least, of course, uh, which is the impeachment, the second impeachment trial of President Donald J. Trump and the well, extension of the entire four and a half plus years of impeachment attempts by the liberal Democrats. They literally started trying to impeach him before he won an office from which he could be impeached. They started that back when they started spying on the Trump campaign, looking for some sort of ammunition some sort of evidence that Donald Trump was colluding with Russians and was uh, somehow in some way committing impeachable offenses before he even took office. Then, of course, they said, well, we couldn't stop him from taking office. He won. He beat Hillary pretty comfortably in the Electoral College. Now we got to figure out a way to get him out of there before he can finish the job. So they started the impeachment hoax, the Russian collusion hoax, if you will, uh, and they started that with uh, Bob Mueller for two and a half years until Mueller, Mueller finally tapped out, said, I can't do it anymore. I got nothing. I got nothing. No evidence at all that proves, that shows, that that uh, indicates that he and his team did anything illegal, anything unethical, anything wrong, anything at all. So the Mueller probe closes with nothing. Well, we still got another year and a half of him. We got to find a way to impeach him. Let's take that phone call to Ukraine. And let's allege that he is doing everything that uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were doing in Ukraine uh, and put it on him instead. Why not? It's Alinsky-esque. It's Alinskyite, if you will. Let's try that. And then, of course, we had the first impeachment uh, through that ridiculous Ukraine nonsense. Uh, of course, he survives that because there is no evidence again whatsoever that he did anything untoward at all. He finishes his term, and now it's no. We can't let him resign, or not resign, we can't let his term uh, end peacefully. We started impeaching him before he began. Damn it, we will continue and finish impeaching him even after he's gone. Simply an incredible thing that we're witnessing right now. A moment in American history that I pray is never, ever repeated by anybody on either side from either party. I hope it is never, ever done again in the future of American history to come. Because this is something it's beyond damaging and destructive. It's devastating. It's uh, it's it's just so un-American is what it is. So we'll talk to Jim Jordan about all of that. A lot of other news to get into today, but I want to start a little bit just with a couple of reactions to the big game yesterday. Yes, the Super Bowl was played. Yes, I watched. I found myself um, kind of drawn back to the game of football uh, at the professional level, of a few weeks back, when the Browns actually beat the Steelers in the season finale to um, to make the playoffs, because uh, I've been very loud and very vocal on these airwaves and online as well about how I have turned off the NFL for good, as long as they're going to continue social justice nonsense. But I was, uh, admittedly, pulled back in, as Peter Kersenow and I have discussed, because he was the same way when the Browns made the playoffs. They beat Pittsburgh, then they beat Pittsburgh the week after in the playoffs. And it was like, wow, uh, this is something that's, quite frankly, really exciting, especially for a city that hasn't seen anything even close to a playoff win in 20-some years. 
So uh, I did. I got pulled back in, and as such, I watched a lot of the playoffs, or at least I checked in on the playoffs and watched games beginning to end like I did yesterday for the Super Bowl. But I was especially taken with two storylines. One was the Browns' run, as I mentioned, and how it could have gone even further uh, had things broken their way a little bit better in the game against Kansas City in the divisional round. But nonetheless, a great run, a great season, coach of the year, all that stuff. Um, the other storyline was the one that finished last night. Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback in the history of the National Football League, arguably the greatest player in the history of the National Football League. And I know Jim Brown fans will say, oh, come on, Jim Brown was the greatest football player uh, ever. Jim Brown was certainly... Uh, carried that title for a very, very long time, but quite frankly, I give deferential and preferential treatment to quarterbacks because it's the hardest position to play in all of sport. In all of sport. Right, there's just there's just no, no two ways about it. It's the toughest thing to do in sports. And for somebody to do it the way he has done it, uh, I think he has eclipsed that. But that's not the reason for my commentary this morning. The reason for my commentary this morning and the reason why I started paying attention to that other storyline as the NFL uh, season went into its playoffs um, is because of the inordinate amount of hate um, for Tom Brady for a couple of reasons. Number one, most Americans, simply by virtue of being human, are, are prone to jealousy. And we are oftentimes just jealous of that, which we are not. Um, Tom Brady looks like he's led just a charmed life. He looks like a GQ fashion model. He's married to a woman who is a fashion model. In fact, is considered a supermodel. And I don't know if that means she fights crime part-time. But uh, he's got more money than, than you know he could ever spend in 20 lifetimes. Um and he wins constantly and consistently. And he did so on a team in New England coached by a former Browns coach that nobody here in Northeast Ohio can stand. A lot of reasons to hate Tom Brady. And they won six Super Bowls together. That's two more than any other quarterback ever won. Joe Montana won four. Terry Bradshaw won four. Tom Brady had six. But at least his run is coming to an end, we thought, five or six years ago. And instead... Tom Brady has done what nobody else has ever been able to do in the history of history in sports. He has defeated the Afor, or the previously undefeated Father Time because he was just as good at 40 as he was at 23. He was just as good at 41 as he was at 33. He's just as good today at 43 as most quarterbacks could be in their prime at age 25, 26, 27. And he continues to win. And why am I talking about this on my conservative political talk radio show and the answer is because the hatred of tom brady went beyond just jealousy for his success jealousy of his rings jealousy of his charmed life with the supermodel it's gone beyond that it's gone political not because tom brady made it so tom brady doesn't talk about politics other than to say very generic things, saying, I hope we can all get along, and I hope we can all do what's right for our country. He is very, very apolitical. And because of that, the left 
hates him all the more. Here's the white privileged, probably white supremacist, superstar quarterback who leaves the franchise where he won all of those titles, goes to another franchise with a new coach, new teammates, new offensive system, new uh, receivers, new everything, and still ends up back in the Super Bowl again. This white, privileged, charmed SOB also is a friend of Trump's. That's right. In the last week leading up to the Super Bowl, the discussion of Tom Brady being the greatest quarterback who ever lived stopped, and the discussion of Tom Brady, racist, white supremacist friend of Trump, took its place. I didn't talk about it in the run-up to the Super Bowl on last week's shows. I didn't talk about it. But there was an article, the worst of, uh, article, ran in USA Today, for some reason on the sports page. And it talked about how Tom Brady has been given a pass, and he should not be given a pass over his support for Donald Trump. You see, in America today, in the cancel culture of today, you can't have your own personal political beliefs. You are not entitled to have your own personal feelings and ideology. If those personal feelings and ideologies go against the current far-left Trump-is-a-racist orthodoxy, you're not allowed to be able to do that. And if you do show any leanings, for example, having been photographed with Donald Trump, if you show any leanings whatsoever against the far-left cancel culture Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, trans agenda this. If you show anything that runs in counter, runs counter to that, you must pay a price. Yes, Tom Brady has been photographed on a couple of occasions with Donald Trump. Yes, he had a MAGA hat in his locker that somebody saw. And that's unacceptable. This man must be destroyed. This man must have his personal feelings silenced, or he must be forced to address them. You have a MAGA hat in your locker. Now you must answer all of our questions. We want to know your opinion on abortion. We want to know your opinion on Israel. We want to know your opinion on Black Lives Matter. We want you to make a statement about trans lives. You haven't spoken yet on uh, on Iran. You haven't told us how you feel about COVID policy. What are your thoughts, Tom Brady, about this, 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 and this? You had a MAGA hat in your in your locker. This is what they've done. If anything could push even the most ardent quarterback Tom Brady hater into being a human being Tom Brady defender, last week would have been it. And it was in large part for me. Now, I will also acknowledge, just being the guy with the sports background that I have, I was in sports radio for the first several years of my 24 years in radio. I started thinking differently about him, truthfully, when he left New England and went to Tampa Bay. And I said, all right, now we're going to find out if he's as good as everybody says he has been throughout his career, or if he was just a product of the Bill Belichick system. 
And so I kind of wanted to see, and as I saw him play this season at the age of 43, which is just flat-out ancient, ancient in football years. It's like a dog. He's like 194 in football years, right? As I saw him play at an MVP level, throwing over 40 touchdown passes at the age of 43, I just wiped away my hatred, the Belichick connection, the Patriot connection, and just had massive respect for his ability to to thrive in the atmosphere, like I said, the new atmosphere that he was in, with new teammates, new city, new everything. He was the only thing consistent himself, and he came in. And had the kind of year he did. So I started liking him again or respecting him before the Super Bowl week. But last week in the run-up to the Super Bowl, when the political assassination of Tom Brady because of his fondness for, friendship with, whatever you want to call it, for Donald Trump, that's when I just became a full-on Brady champion. And I cheered him yesterday. I did. Not out loud. Well, maybe even out loud. I watched the game with my wife and my son, and we watched it, and every time he threw a touchdown pass, I would kind of comment and compliment him on it. I was very happy to see that. Because now the left has something else to hate about Tom Brady. Now Tom Brady, who refuses to take their bait, who refuses to say, I'm not going to comment on abortion or Black Lives Matter or the tax code or anything else because that's not my job. I'm a quarterback. I've got a friend in Donald Trump. I was his friend before he became president. I was his friend while he was president. I'm going to give you his friend after president. But I don't have to answer your questions. Tom Brady, they have a new reason to hate Tom Brady now. Tom Brady, seven-time champion, ten Super Bowl appearances, which is just comically insane. Doing what he did at the age of 43, and for comparative purposes, his opponent in the Super Bowl last night, Patrick Mahomes, when Tom Brady was in his first Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes was in kindergarten. You understand that? He was five, and he just lost to this old man. And the left has a a new reason, and that reason is he's not going to participate in cancel culture. He's going to stay Teflon because he chooses to stay Teflon. And I think that drives them that much more batty. They can't get to him. They can't rattle him. They can't force statements out of him. They can't force him to take sides. He's just being, living his best life. A life that the rest of us only could dream about having. Congratulations to Tom Brady. And by the way, one more thought, because I told you I caved in at the end of the season when the Browns made the playoffs, and I started watching a little bit of the NFL again. I actually sat through the halftime show yesterday, largely as show prep for today. I thought I would have to be on the air today condemning the social justice halftime show. And instead, they just had a guy on there singing and a whole bunch of people dancing with surgical bandages on their faces, which was kind of funny. But they did not do a BLM, Antifa, social justice, agenda-driven show. They just did a musical show. I was pleasantly surprised. So if the NFL is trying to go back to winning fans over again, it was a pretty good first step yesterday. All right, it's 922. We'll be right back. Get on the air with Bob. Leave a message, 216-525-1806. 
Yeah, that's uh, that's a new feature that you just heard there. Um, you know, and, and it's not just for when we're on the air and you can't get through during the show. It's any time. Uh, I, I, I've come to find out there are so many people have so many things to say to me, and they can't reach me unless we're on the air. And they can't reach me, of course, on the air because we don't have time for every call that comes in. So we set up that new message line. It is the authority message line, and um, it's 216-525-1806. You just heard it. Leave your message and know that anything and everything that you say on the message may be used on the air for discussion purposes. So be aware of that. Don't say anything you don't want to say. Don't say anything you would regret. Don't say anything that would get us in trouble. Of course, we wouldn't air that anyway, but you understand the point. So that message line is separate from our uh, regular phone line to get on the radio, which is right now, 216 one zero nine four five triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Either one of those numbers will get you here onto the air live. Don't forget Jim Jordan coming up at nine forty eight. So yeah, just you know to kind of finish my monologue on the Super Bowl yesterday. Uh, I did watch it, uh, and I did watch the halftime show, which, as I said, was you know a little surprising because I thought they would go full BLM Antifa, you know, promoting you know social justice nonsense. Uh, and that's not to say that justice is nonsense, of course. It is to say that the social justice movement is predicated on lies, and it is predicated on um, anti-Americanism, quite frankly. And uh, it's, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous for this country. It's how and why the National Football League, I think, lost so many millions of viewers and consumers, you know, buying their products, buying their jerseys, merchandise, and so forth. Because they kind of threw all in with the social justice narrative to decide and declare that the United States is racist. When Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League, made a statement before the start of the year, the season, because of the George Floyd incident, which happened this past May, when he made a statement that we should have taken Colin Kaepernick more seriously, and that's a paraphrase, um, should have handled that situation differently, they lost a lot of people forever. Myself, I said you lost me forever, or at least until you repair things, at least until you come back from that and you stop that, that, that ridiculous take and that policy. And while they have spent a good part of the year, because, you know, here's, here's the NFL trying to balance this, uh, balance this thing on the end of Roger Goodell's nose. You know, leaning to one side, he's got Americans proud Americans who do not believe for one second that this country was founded on nor rooted in systemic racism, furious that they would suggest otherwise. And on the other side, the Black Lives Matter and the minority groups that are so loud and so vocal demanding that they say that it is. And so throughout the season, they've kind of tried to toe that line. And I thought in the Super Bowl, for the most part, the commercials they ran were things like, we're all in this together. They were more, and I didn't see every commercial, to be honest with you. And I didn't watch any of the pregame stuff. But it's something to the effect of, we're all in this together, united, we're better, and basically it's saying equality. And I'm good with that. That's the kind of thing that can bring people back. I'm good with that, because I'm all for equality as well. Equality of opportunity for everybody. Now, if they had pushed equity... And they have to make sure that all of the outcomes are the same for everyone, regardless of effort. Now we've got another problem, but they they went with the equality message yesterday. They had a fantastic America the Beautiful rendition. They had a fantastic uh, um, uh, Star Spangled Banner national anthem performance. They had a spectacular military flyover. 
and they had a halftime show free of BLM or um, social justice, national division messaging. So I thought they did a pretty good job trying to come back from the we are far left anarchists to the we're not really, we have to just be respectful of everybody. I thought they did a decent job of starting to come back from that yesterday. And as I said in my monologue, the fact that a friend of Donald Trump's, Tom Brady, won his seventh championship doesn't exactly hurt the cause either. Back after the news, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 937 out of Operance Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Appreciate you being with us today. So... Yeah, uh, if you've got thoughts on the NFL, I'll take your calls. You've got thoughts on, like I said, I, I was impressed and, and surprised that they didn't do more of the uh, social justice stuff. I was happy, but um, that doesn't mean it's not still going elsewhere and in very, very disturbing ways. I don't know if you saw this. Um, inmates at a St. Louis jail rioted on Saturday morning um, for the third time in... How long did they say? Is it third time in a week? No, third time in weeks, plural. Not sure how many, but the third time, a massive riot. More than 100 inmates escaped out of their cells, uh, assaulted corrections officers, set fires, uh, smashed windows, in, in what can just be described as your, your standard prison riot. Now, you should know that the St. Louis jail is not filled with you know, DUI offenders or, um, you know, jaywalkers. This is a very violent facility with only violent felons being held within it. Corrections officers had to use tear gas to regain control and had all 115 inmates involved in the riot back in custody. The inmates complained about a host of things, including, uh, you know, restrictions and, and meals and, and all kinds of other complaints that one would expect inmates to have. Some of it, of course, being COVID related as well, claiming they're in jeopardy, et cetera, et cetera. But again, there were two disturbances in late December and early January, making this the third such disturbance in a very short time. Now, generally speaking, I think the reaction of average Americans would be, Add more prison time to their terms. Keep their, or, or rather, transfer them from the St. Louis jail to a prison, to an actual state prison. Because these new crimes need to be dealt with, and they need to be dealt with harshly. That's what most, I think, ordinary law-abiding citizens would say. But members of the squids, you know, the uh, AOC the Alexandria Damasio-Cortez, the Jihad Omar, the Sharia Tlaib, the Ayanna Presley, and now Cory Bush has joined the squids this year, new member of Congress. They, uh, they see things a little bit differently, as you can imagine. Because remember, I did say ordinary uh, 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 law-abiding American citizens. So I think that pretty much takes the squids who wish to abolish the police out of the equation. That's right. Remember, they're the ones who literally want to abolish. AOC said not defund, not reduce, abolish police specifically, right? So they don't believe in law and order. And I guess that's why the first response from Democrat squid member Cory Bush about the, the riot at the St. Louis jail is to crit- criticize and criminalize, if you will, the jailers and to show compassion and defense for the inmates. 
far-left Representative Cory Bush, member of the Squids from Missouri, rushed to defend the hardened criminals that were riding in the St. Louis prison after attacking a corrections officer on Saturday. January 6th, what did she say about the Capitol building on January 6th? Well, quote, I don't want to unite. No, I'm sorry. This was on January 11th after. Let's go in order here. On January 6th, sorry about this. Let me give it to you in order. On January 6th, she tweeted, quote, I'm in the Capitol. I'm safe, and my team and I are sheltering in place. The President of the United States has incited a riot that has now stormed the Capitol. There are rioters roaming the halls of the Capitol. I saw them with my own eyes. Our country deserves better. All right? That was, that was on January 6th. A bunch of misinformation there, but I'm just giving you her quotes. Then one, well, five days later on January 11th, when the call for unity came out, quote from Cory Bush, I don't want to unite with those, rep- uh, those responsible for the insurrection at our nation's capital. I want us to unite in holding them accountable. So the riot at the Capitol, absolutely to be condemned and those who were responsible for it to be held accountable. Now we go to the riot in the St. Louis jail. The city's director of public policy, Jimmy Edwards, said this of the rioters. They were angry, defiant, very violent people that we house at the Justice Center. No one at the Justice Center is housed for a misdemeanor, a municipal offense, or a low-level felony. Everybody housed at the Justice Center is housed there because of very serious offenses, like assault on police officers, homicide, things of that sort. But Cory Bush, who condemned the rioters and demanded they be held accountable at the Capitol, which is fine, I want everybody to be held accountable too, said this of the criminals in the, je- in the jail. She tweeted the Martin Luther King quote, A riot is the language of the unheard. I want to talk to my constituents in the window. Their lives and their rights must be protected. My te- This is a sitting congresswoman. My team and I are working to ensure that the urgent needs of the people who are incarcerated are not ignored. She also released a separate statement on the riot where she specifically stated she wanted to make sure that the demands being made by the violent, rioting criminals were not ignored. You understand this? This is what liberal Democrats do. Republicans side with law-abiding American citizens. Liberal Democrats side with illegal aliens crossing our border without, without uh, uh, um, permission. Republican-minded people, conservative-minded people support law and order. Liberal Democrats support the criminals who break the laws and who violate order and who attack while they are being incarcerated for their previous crimes. She literally said that we have an incarceration crisis. She said she's calling for complete transparency and accountability from the city of St. Louis, not from the rioters who attacked corrections guards and burned things and smashed windows. She is literally siding with the rioters, again, who are murderers and rapists and those who commit assault, armed robbery. They are not jaywalkers in that building perhaps the best 
and by best I mean worst line of her statement, I want to ensure that the demands made by those being held at CJC are not ignored, and I plan to investigate this further. She is literally calling for an investigation to help improve the, the, the conditions or the, uh, the, the situation that a bunch of violent illegal, illegal criminals find themselves in. Rather than, quote, I want to hold them accountable for their riot. She wants to hold the people at the Capitol on January 6th accountable for the riot. She does not want to hold criminals responsible for theirs. She's got more here. I just don't have time for it because i got Jim Jordan coming up. But I've got more to share with you about this and what it means in the bigger picture. The big line that it draws between law-abiding conservatives and criminal-defending hateful, hateful progressive Democrats. More on that coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 949, let's continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's bring in Congressman Jim Jordan, Ohio's 4th Congressional District Representative, ranking member of the Judiciary Committee in the House. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. How are you doing? Did you enjoy the Super Bowl? I did. You know, I keep kind of pulling for Brady. I mean, the other, Mahomes and Chiefs are an amazing team, but kind of pulling for the guy going for seven in a row. So it was great. To, yeah, it was a fun game to watch. Yeah, I got to tell you, I've uh, been, you know, I've sworn off the Super Bowl. I've sworn off the, or excuse me, the NFL rather, and I've sworn off the NBA. I did get pulled back in at the end of the season when the Browns made the playoffs. Yeah. Pretty historic <laughs> thing around here, and and I watched it. And I got to tell you, I, they they seem to have pulled back on the social justice messaging yeah. and all of the other yeah. very divisive things that they were doing. And I hope that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, uh, because yeah, you know, I agree. Yeah, we we need to be brought together, and I think games can do it if they're treated like games again and not treated like political rallies. Uh, yeah, I mean, used to be used to be the sports page. I think I heard Gingrich say this like twenty some years ago. He said, you know, it used to be the sports page was the place that they covered the winners. Everywhere else, it's you know something bad's happening. This isn't in politics. Everything else. sports is just like who won the game, who played, who did what, what were the stats? And you covered the you covered the game, and let's just let's get back to sports, and that's what Americans like about it: the yeah. competition aspect of it, and the fact that it's not political. Very true, very true, and I was really glad to see that that production yesterday. I thought kind of stood up for that. All right, Congressman. Speaking of division, I don't think anything says division in this country quite quite like impeaching a man who is no longer the president, a man who cannot be removed from office because he is not in office. It starts tomorrow. You and I have talked about this. I've heard you on other shows yeah. talking about it. What are your last minute thoughts going into this show, uh, this dog and pony show tomorrow? Well, the, the president's going to prevail, uh, as he should. The, con- the Constitution's on his side, as you say. You know, the Constitution is clear. It shall be removed from office and disqualified from holding a uh, future office. But you can't do those two things if he's not in office. So the constitutional argument is so strong for the president. Uh, just the fact that, that, you know, the chief justice is not even going to preside. You're going to have someone from the jury actually functioning as the judge in this trial that begins tomorrow. So Constitution, he's going to win. He will win on due process, the lack of it. I mean, it was a two-hour impeachment as as my good friend and colleague Matt Gates has said, this is impeachment by reflex. So the due process argument, this, 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 the, the, this makes Adam Schiff's uh, impeachment of a year ago look like he had, you know, like it was fair. And we know how unfair <laughs> that was. 
but it, but at least there was some subpoenas, there was depositions, there were actual hearings. I got to cross-examine witnesses. I mean, at least you had some semblance, even though it was done in the bunker, the basement, of the Capitol. At least there was some kind of pretending of uh, you know a, a little bit of due process. Where this one, there's none. So there's no due process. And then, of course, you got the facts, and the facts are always important. How do you incite a riot that was already uh, planned? How do you incite a riot that uh, that when you said peacefully and patriotically? go make your voices heard. I mean, it just, everything is on the president's side. That's why I think he's going to prevail. You know, the left likes to call what I'm about to do, Congressman, whataboutism. Uh, you know, what if the other side had done this? Um, I, I don't care what they called it. It's a legitimate question. What if Donald Trump was the man who said the following, Congressman Jordan? I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. If Donald J. Trump had stood on the steps of the Supreme Court before a throng of supporters and shouted, "Um, uh, I'm telling you, or I'm warning you, Sotomayor, I'm warning you, Kagan, you will release the whirlwind if you go forward. You won't know what hit you. I can't help but ask, Congressman Jordan, what would happen? Yeah, no, it'd be the same thing happening now. They go after the president. Uh, you're right. That was done on the steps of the Supreme Court, not down, not down at the ellipse, you know, uh, away from the Capitol. So, right. uh, but th- th- this is the way which it's, made it much more of a standard. direct thought because the people inside exactly. that he was referring to were inside that building, uh, and that was back, exactly. by the way in 2018. It wasn't a long time ago. It was in 2018. Go ahead. No, I mean two days after Maxine Water does her rant, my wife and I get harassed at the, in, the, in, in D.C. You know, and she said, "Get in their face!" And da 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 da. We get two, literally two days later. We got the we got the as I call the treatment. So uh, this is the left is a different standard, and it drives Americans crazy. We ha- we actually had people last summer, members of Congress on the Democrat side, say we need more unrest in the streets while there was unrest in the streets. The speaker. Now, that is not yeah that 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 is so wrong, and yet they 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 always come after the president. So Americans are tired of this. Uh, that's why they 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 see through this this sham impeachment of round two. Um, and it's, again, I think it's why the, uh, the president's going to prevail and he's going to win um, and, and not be convicted. Let's talk about the double standards further. The speaker who you just referenced was the one who said literally before a crowd of reporters, uh, she doesn't know why there isn't more unrest in the streets and more uprisings, I think was the word she used, uprisings yep. in the streets. She's yep. calling for, for violent uprisings. Uh, she also called for everyone to be fined. If you can help me out with this, uh, if you do not go through <laughs> the metal detectors on the way into Congress, uh, what happened there? Yeah, well, it's, no, this is it. She can go into a salon when we can't. She doesn't have to wear a mask when we do. And she can walk around the metal detectors when we're not permitted to do so. So it's, it's you know, we saw this all throughout COVID the, the entire time. Democrat mayors, Democrat governors put all kinds of restrictions on the people they're supposed to serve. And then they don't follow the very same restrictions and, and orders that they put in place. They, they got to go celebrate their Thanksgiving the way they wanted with their family. But, oh, RV, we couldn't do that. So th- this is, this is the, again, this double I- – I've said this many times. Americans hate so much of what goes on in Washington. They hate when, when Congress spends money on stupid things, sending money overseas for some stupid idea. But what they hate more than anything else is the double standard because they say, wait a minute, you're supposed to represent us. We pay your salary, and then you go there and do something, put in, put in place laws and rules, and then you don't follow them. And, and, and the biggest one right now, uh, uh, Bob, is there's a freaking wall around the, the Capitol. 
to protect the politicians and to protect, you know, the, 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 the capital. But meanwhile, we're taking down the wall, not going to secure the border. Everything Joe Biden's doing, we're not going to protect the people in this great country by securing our southern border. Now, how fair is that? So these are the kind of things that drive Americans crazy, and it, and it needs to stop. It really does. And we as Republicans had better be, be, be strong in speaking out against this stuff and doing everything we can to make sure the double standard ends and it ends soon. I completely agree. Congressman Jim Jordan joining us on AM 1420. The answer, two other things before we're done here. I want to talk about law and order. Joe Biden, as we know, is essentially dismantling ICE. Uh, Congressman, is he not yeah. with, uh, the, first of yeah. all, the 100-day uh, deportation moratorium? But more than that, um, an announcement that uh, deportations will no longer be sought when they are allowed to continue, if that happens, will no longer be sought for people with violent crimes like assault and including uh, DUI, which, of course, can become violent when somebody loses control of their car and harms people, mm-hmm. literally saying that we cannot police people here for crimes and deport them for crimes uh, that are committed that would obviously lock ordinary Americans up in jail for a long time. Um, meanwhile, he's calling for 125,000 more refugees to be allowed in, Congressman. I mean, does he have, he's offering even no pretense of a belief in law and order. Yeah, I... I just, I, I just don't, I don't get this. I don't get how you're the president of our great country, and then you're doing things that make the safety of the citizens of this country, that, that jeopardize the safety of the citizens of this country. I, I, I just fail to see how that. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, my guess is most of your listeners don't can't comprehend it either. Why would the president of our great country not want to make sure that our that that we're as safe as we can be and we follow the law? I just don't get it. And and but I guess that's today's left. It makes no sense. It's not about making sure that 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 we, we we safeguard the country and the people who make up this great country. I fail to understand why they would go down this road. But the only explanation I come up with is, is that's how radical today's left is, and it's why it's why we got to push back. It's why we got to hang on for the next two years. It's why we need to to in in two years make sure we as Republicans take back the House so we can have a check on all this crazy stuff. That, that that the left and the Biden administration is attempting to do. Yeah, yeah, they are that radical. And uh, let's let's try to talk now about um, the more moderate, or what we thought would be the more moderate members of the left. Uh, Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema were among those who had expressed some willingness to work across the aisle. And in fact, Manchin declared he would not support this one point nine trillion dollar uh, COVID relief bill, which provides very little relief. By the way, it has very little to do with COVID. But he would not support it without Republican support. Uh, he got no Republican support. It went through anyway. We know that Kamala Harris cast the tie-breaking vote. Now it's going to be voted on by the House, and it's going to go through. Are you disappointed with uh, the language of you know the mansions and the other supposed moderates on the Democrat Party who then don't follow through with the walk, walking the walk? Well, the, the, this is this is the pattern. I mean, and frankly, it started uh, a year ago in South Carolina when the Democrat Party just made the decision we're going to we're going to make sure Bernie Sanders doesn't get the nomination, and we're going to elect uh, we're going to make sure the nominee is the moderate Joe Biden. So they tried to fool us. Uh, they they maybe maybe they did fool the, uh, enough of the country that that Joe Biden was going to be moderate. He gets in office, does forty executive orders, and the most left wing policies you, you can imagine, and now we have this on top of that. So um, I think this is just their play. To talk to talk moderate, but to govern like like the leftists that we were just talking about. So it it, it frankly doesn't surprise me that much. Uh, I hope that Mr. Manchin will stick with his uh, what he said earlier when uh, him and, and, and Senator Cinema on the filibuster. I certainly hope that because if they get rid of that, 
then look out. It, not to mention court packing, it, not to mention D.C. Yeah, statehood. Court, they have said that they yep, would not support those things either. Yep. So let's let's hope they hold firm on those. But I just sense a pattern. They tell us that, oh, we're going to be moderate. I mean, that was the whole campaign for Joe Biden. Don't go out. Don't tell the American people. to have this sort of broad statement that you're going to be moderate Joe, and then go, don't go talk about anything. Don't even go campaign. And they elected someone who had – who had never faced the tough questions, who'd never been in front of the American people, and he gets in office and does 40 executive orders in like the first four minutes. Um, so, I mean, I don't think that's fair to the, to the country, but that's how they did it, and, and that's where we're at. Congressman Jim Jordan, thank you so much for, fight, for uh, fighting the great fight, sir. We appreciate it, and we appreciate your time as well. You bet. All right, thanks. You bet, Bob. Thanks. Jim, jo- Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. It's 10 o'clock, time for news. On the other, other side, uh, we are guest-free. Uh, hour number two, guest free. Lots of opportunities for you to be heard at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110.